Welcome to The Living Classroom, where we explore the daily living of three-stream Anglicanism. I'm your host, Alan Hughes. Again, welcome to The Living Classroom. I'm Alan Hughes, and I'm here today with the Reverend Dr. Jay Wright, who is the rector at St. Bart's in Dallas, Texas. He's been there for about two years. Uh, he's married to his lovely wife, Amy, with four kids, native Texan. And uh, just something you ought to know about Jay, um, he was 26 years old. He was at uh, Weber University, really just seeking the Lord and discerning what's next for him. He visited a three-stream Anglican church called Grace in uh, Jacksonville, and uh, and from that point, never looked back. So, uh Jay, it's great to have you here on The Living Classroom, um, an opportunity to share um, with our Anglican brothers and sisters a little bit about what the Lord's doing in your life. So uh, today, uh, the topic um, for discussion is around how do clergy continue to work on the spiritual growth that we all want, and yet time, pressures, uh, daily life, you know, sort of takes us away from that. And so as you've thought about that, just give us, first of all, the 20,000 foot thought that you have on something that you've been learning. Yeah. Thanks, Alan, so much for having me. Uh, Great to see your face. Great to hear your voice. Great to be with you all in the living classroom, everyone that's listening out there. Um, For me, prayer stillness and prayer has been a a key part of uh, maintaining connectedness to God and his people um, and being able to lead out of a very authentic disposition for me, not, not necessarily controlling or, or influencing in a manipulative way, but just sort of leading out of who God has made me to be. And, um, that's that's been tremendous just sort of stillness and prayer in this season it's something i think everybody desires and what i hope we can do today is unpack that a little bit Mm -hmm. you know is to say okay well if i need that i want that i desire that in my life to be grounded um like we see in the life of christ um what would that look like and so my first question for you is how do you see that at play in scripture in the life of Jesus or his disciples or apostles? How, how is that uh, framework, you know, how is that grounded in God's word? Yeah, that's a great question. So we see Jesus constantly, obviously going away to a desolate place, a quiet place to pray, to be with his father. You know, John 17, this poignant moment, it, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, being pressed by the weight of the moment, and, and what Jesus does is He prays. Um, you know, we preach it every Ash Wednesday <clears throat> from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus says, "And when you pray, you know, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who hears in secret, and your Father who hears and sees in secret will reward you." So there's definitely uh, almost an ascetic kind of practice we see at work in Jesus' life but also his apostles, um, you know, they grew in their understanding. They grew in the wisdom that they had. Um, but just reading second Peter this morning and, and him reminding 
the churches to whom he was writing that he, he heard the heavenly voice on the holy mountain. He saw the transfigured Christ. And he grew in that wisdom, in that ongoing conversation with God. Um, and St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, he just, this little short two words, two or three words, um, but it's a whole verse and it says, pray without ceasing. And, you know, there's a lot of different schools of thought around that in particular. Right. Uh, Whether it's hyperbole or it's, yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So, um, so for me, it's stillness as a guy whose brain is really active, maybe overactive. Um, stillness is, is something I valued uh, from the beginning of my, my ministry, really my ordained ministry. And um, it's something that I've tried to guard and cultivate, uh, sort of guarding my heart and trying to stay in connection with God and, and love with him and what is true and good and beautiful. Um, so yeah, those two verses, the Sermon on the Mount in particular and Paul's command have really grounded me. That's good. Well, let me ask you a question. You, you said something about stillness and hmm. um, how is that different or is it from, from silence? Is there, mm-hmm. do you, are, are you saying that word distinctly differently than I just need to be quiet before the Lord versus being still? Is that, is that more of a physical, mental? Like, what, hmm. what's, what, what are you thinking? What you're thinking? Yeah. So for me, when I say stillness, I'm thinking of a Greek word, hesychia. Um, and saying that word, some of you will recognize uh, the practice of the hesychasts, those who were still and cultivated a stillness, but it wasn't necessarily like I'm playing statue, you know, like when you're a kid, right. you're at the barbershop, yeah. Oh, yeah. pretend yeah. like you're a statue, Jay, and you'll get a lollipop. It's really not that. It's more of, of cultivating an inner disposition. It, and it, what it produces is an inner tranquility. And I'm kind of paraphrasing from the philokalia here. Right. It cultivates this inner tranquility that as you continue to engage in this kind of stillness and this kind of prayer, um, really you can, you can be working, you can be reading, you can be listening to the beach boys, pet sounds. And so I you ride. can have stillness without there being silence. So it's not shut down the world, stop yeah. everything. There's a stillness that can happen in everyday life. Yeah, I think so for sure. Yeah. Well, Jake, thanks for that. Um, let me, move us on to this, like what drop down a little bit and tell us what is, Mm -hmm. what is the practice or practices that Mm -hmm. you really have been engaging in finding fruitful? What, tell us Mm -hmm. what that looks like. Get a little more specific. Yeah. Uh, So the Jesus prayer or the prayer of the heart is, has been the practice that I have been engaging in. Um, you know, and I've read about it, Alan, for gosh, 10, 15 years now, you know, I've been interested in Eastern Christian spiritual practices. You know, we've all read Henry now and then all these other kind of people. Um, but I'd never really connected my desire to, to, for stillness to lead out of that disposition. I never really connected that, never understood how the Jesus prayer and that inner disposition connect. So for me, the practice um, helps me cultivate that. I, I live in Dallas and Dallas has a lot of highways where there are a lot of cars and people don't always drive quite so nicely. You know, we've got four kids, so I'm, I'm going here and there and everywhere, picking kids up and dropping kids off. Um, and so I have this little prayer rope 
um, that it's, it's got a hundred knots in it. And every time I hit a knot, I breathe in, I breathe out and I say this Jesus prayer. And tell us real quick, what is the Jesus prayer? Just yeah, say yeah. So it's any, any sort of arrangement of something like Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And for me, the practice and, and one resource that I've used quite often in telling parishioners, my, my working with my vestry on how they can do this personally. We do it as a group, a group of pastors I meet with once a month. Um, one great resource though is the way of the pilgrim. Yeah. Um, by, and, by who? Well, an unknown Russian <laughs> peasant. <laughs> by anonymous. <laughs> great book. Which, yeah. Which on, I mean, honestly that typifies the beauty of this, right. Of this heritage that we have. Um, you know, it's just given freely. You've been given freely. You've received, just give it away. And so that I just found myself just literally like giving this away. So the Jesus prayer, really, if you can, you find a quiet place to sit. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here from St. Simeon, the new theologian found in this is quoted in the uh, way of the pilgrim. He says, find a quiet place to sit alone and in silence. Again, it's not always going to be quiet. Not always going to be alone. Bow your head. Shut your eyes, breathe softly, look with your mind into your heart, recollect your mind, that is all its thoughts, bring them down from your mind into your heart. And so initially, before you even say a word, you're just trying to integrate your being. We're so separated, you know, the, the consumeristic, secular, divisive nature of our culture right now that we lament even divides us as individual, like within ourselves. So there's this bid for just integrating. So we're thinking about our breathing, not, not in this particular passage, but in other places, the, the great monks that have written about this uh, prayer of the heart, which is also found in the Philokalia. Um, do you like that, Alan? How I hold up my books. We can I link do. to those too. Especially on the uh, podcast since no one can see it. Oh, Oh, I thought we, were- we have the video, but most of them will hear the audio. But just picture the book, y'all. It was, Man. It, was it looked well read. They don't know what they're missing. Anywho, um, but one guy says, picture your heart beating. And with each beat of your heart, you're saying, Lord, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And the idea is that you can... Do what St. Paul wrote, pray without ceasing. Because if you do this enough, these great spiritual people have written, I, I haven't experienced this yet, but, but it's my goal and my aim. If you do this enough, they call it self-activating, meaning your body learns this prayer so that you will wake up in the middle of the night and your heart's beating and you're saying, Lord, Jesus, Christ, have mercy on me. So that's amazing. Let me ask this. So how, so you said you've read about it, but did you, did you meet somebody? Was there, what's the, was there a testimony? What, what got you re-engaged with this practice? Hmm. Something you read, somebody said something, you heard a sermon. Yeah. You know, I, I think part of it was part of it. I was in counseling. So I'd, I'd just gone to a new therapist. I'd, I'd been to counselors before, but never really committed like, I'm going to do this every week. Um, you know, this guy's going to be my guy. I, I'm all in. 
So that was tremendous. And part of our conversation was, I was just saying, I, I like when I lead from a, a place of, as I've been saying, just, you know, stillness and I'm not, I'm not out here frenetic and I'm not over here, uh, you know, looking to achieve and impress. I'm just right here. And then I can do whatever God needs me to do. And he said, you know, is, has there ever been a practice that you've done that's helped you do that? And I had this little prayer rope in my pocket and I was like, you know, yeah, I need to, I need to re-engage with this. The other thing too, though, just, just throughout my history of being Baptist and then becoming Anglican, I'd always been drawn to icons and I've read a lot of uh, books about orthodoxy and, and just, you know, being a guy that studied literature, uh, liturgy yeah. at the graduate level, you know, loving Alexander Schmemann and, and all these other uh, great writers and the beauty of the Eastern rite. And so kind of gathering all those resources together, some icons, some books, this prayer rope. And the next thing you know, bam, the pandemic hits. And, wow. I, and I'm telling everybody at St. Bart's, hey, like we can't meet as, as the church, but your, your household, whether it's just you and a roommate or you and your 12 kids, your household is the little church. And so practicing that here, um, so all, all that really cascaded into this really beautiful season where a lot of people are experiencing increased anxiety. And of course, I've got my anxious moments. But for me, there's been just a deep tranquility um, an open-handedness, um, and, you know, a readiness to, to be with God, whether I'm in the car, whether I'm laying in bed or whether I'm leading a meeting or, you know, leading church when it, you know, whenever that should happen, just, but just right. always being present. So, right. That's, I mean, it sounds like a Kairos moment, this COVID and it sort of came mm-hmm. together and the Lord said, Hey, I'm, you're going to, this is something you need to learn at this time in this mm-hmm. moment at yeah. such a time as this. And that, that's certainly sounds like to me, like the Lord's fingerprint was all over that yeah. process. Well, tell me this, tell me a little bit more about, okay, I'm interested. It sounds good. I, I like what you're saying. I'm an Anglican clergyman. How, what, what is, what kind of time does that look like? If I, if I'm interested in this, like what, what might I do? Like, what's the next step? Do I need someone to help me? Can I just do it? I mean, what are, help me. What would you say to other Anglican clergy out there in terms of like, if this is something you're interested, interested in, this is what it looks like. Paint a picture of that. Yeah, that's a great question. And, And I, I feel quasi-equipped to answer that because in one sense I'm still learning you know and, and I'm still looking for those course, yeah. who are going to yeah. walk alongside me um, you know in this book The Way of the Pilgrim this peasant who's has a he's basically disabled his arms messed up and but he has an elder that a spiritual father really who uh, speaks into his life and I think if we really want to dive into the the kingdom of God in this way. Because that's what this is. This is not, you know, we're not talking about, even though there are like benefits of, you know, slow breathing helps us be calm and, and all these other things. This is nothing other than prayer. So if we really want to press into the kingdom of God this way, I think we we look for someone who's done this and who's been doing this. But I know that may not be available for everyone. And it may be a counselor. It could be yep. 
I mean, I mean, you, you might be able to do it for some people. I mean, mm-hmm. you've been there. Hey, I'm just, you know, one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread <laughs> type deals, That's right? Yeah. Um, but, but what I'm hearing you say is it's helpful to find someone who has some experience in that to kind of mm-hmm. be a guide versus just kind of pick it up and do it by myself. Is, am I hearing you right on that? Or? Yeah, you, you want a guide, but, but in, this is the beauty of this, Alan. It, you don't have to have, I mean, most of us all have graduate degrees. You don't have to have that. I mean, I, I can walk with my nine-year-old around the neighborhood and I can tell her, hey, Dossie, this is how we pray the Jesus prayer, you know? And so it doesn't take much. It's just, and it's just amazing to see how God sort of has engineered us. We breathe in, Lord Jesus Christ. We breathe out and have mercy on me. So it's as simple as breathing in and breathing out that we can engage in this. And, and the idea of having someone to walk alongside us is because the more we press into this, the more the enemy is going to attack us the more life's going to come at us from all around. So I, if people do this, you know, the way of the pilgrim is a great resource. The Philokalia is, I think, a really great resource. It's difficult to understand for our Western minds, but two, just daily reading of the scriptures. Um, and I think for me, when we do this, you, you realize that, you know, in my sort of Western understanding, my very, linear way of looking at things and very didactic and transactional way of looking at things like, well, you know, the Bible, this is an Eastern document. You know, this is written in the right. Near East, right. uh, you know, and, and any, anyway, so there's just a lot there that's been, that we have access to all these resources and we can all dip into them. But I think ultimately we all need that spiritual father. So. No, that's, that's, that's very helpful. Well, let me, uh, let me ask this question. If I'm going to put aside the time, I mean, are we talking about this is, I can do this five minutes a day. Is this 30 minutes? I mean, what am I really committing to? If I say, Hey, this is a practice I'm interested in putting into my life. What? I mean, you can, I think you, you'll get out of it what you put into it. Um, so yeah, you can take one, you can take 30 seconds a day. You can take one minute a day. You can mute the TV on the commercials and pray it during that. You, you know, when COVID hit Dallas, like we've just taken lots of walks around our neighborhood. And I just, I have my prayer rope with me when I walk and I say it when I, when I drive my kids around. Um, but the idea though, is like, it, it really is a behavioral kind of thing. So the more that we engage in this behavior, the more our bodies will sort of kind of get into this rhythm of prayer. Right. So instead of just, Hey, I'm going to tack this on and and here's the slot for it. You're Mm -hmm. saying that's kind of not the mentality. It's much more of, Hey, how do I integrate this fully into my life as much Mm -hmm. as possible? That's, that's the true effort. And and it's not saying, Hey, I got to stop working and you know, I don't do anything practical anymore. And I just sit around and, you know, pray but at the same time, you're, you're saying, hey, they're, they're, it's not just, oh, here's five steps to a deeper spiritual life. And if you just do this for two minutes a day, you know, yeah. you win the lottery or whatever. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I mean, you know, we all have, we all battle the flesh. You know, we all have our own brokenness that we deal with. So it's going to be different for all of us. But God's grace is real. And as we cry out to the son of God, 
he will have mercy on us. But to me, it's something that's worth just reframing the way we think so that we can be doing it while we're driving, while we're, while we're getting ready for a meeting. For me, if I know I have something big coming up, I will stop everything. I'll take 20 minutes and I'll go sit on the front porch and I'll just let, it's just recenter. Like I've been here, there and everywhere today in my head. Let's get back. Let's get back to the cross. Let's, let's behold the, the crucified and risen one. And let's just be there. So yeah, there are times where you will want to stop everything, but, yeah. but you can do this all the time. And again, Jack, I, I want to say, Hey, thank you for, you know, number one, and uh, I know you're not trying to put yourself there as an expert, but you're living into that culture of the living classroom, which is, hey, let me share what I am learning with mm-hmm. other people. So yeah. thank you for that. A. Absolutely. B, I'd say you mentioned some resources and we'll, we'll tag that down at the end of you know, the podcast and you know, there'll be a link and people can you know, look at those books. And if there's any more, you can send them to me via email and I can have that available. Sure. You know, I guess one question are you available if, if some, if clergy want to talk to you or is Absolutely. that? Okay. Yeah. Just and they can you, find you at St. Bart's in Dallas. Yeah. Website. Yeah. They go to the website. They'll see my email. That'd be great. Perfect. Perfect. So, uh, you know, as we come to a close, what I always want to ask is what, what would you say? What are your closing thoughts? What is your recommendation? How might you summarize it? Or what would you want everyone to know? Um, about the practice of the Jesus prayer, you know, centering prayer and some of those things. What, what would you say in closing to everyone? Hmm. I'd say the most um, effective sounds so um, utilitarian, but really the most effective way to cultivate the kind of stillness that I need, the kind of inner disposition and tranquility with our Lord Jesus that I need to lead to be a rector and to serve in God's kingdom, the most effective way to do that has been the Jesus prayer. And so I, I'm, I'm constantly telling my parishioners that are battling things, constantly telling people, I mean, I, we're talking about it now. Um, and really, it's, it's just inviting, it's inviting ourselves to, to behold Jesus at the end of the day. So um, if, you, if, you, if you hear it, it sounds interesting. Be encouraged. If you're skeptical, um, really at the, at the foot of it all is just beholding Jesus and calling on his name. Yeah. That's so good. What I, I mean, what I'm hearing you say is, you know, you can do a life of stress and worry and striving and we've all tried that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is sort of an anecdote to a life that's centered and tranquil and peace fruits mm-hmm. of the spirit. And we all would say, yeah, I agree with that. And you're saying, and here's a habit that's really helped me, move in that direction. Yeah. Well, and, and let me just tack this on. We can, we can do a lot of good being, being stressful and, and busy. I mean, we can grow big churches and make big budgets. But what St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, as a, as a spiritual father to the church at Corinth, he says, God, with first, uh, chapter three, he says, God's the one that gives the growth. And you all, leaders, you're going to be responsible for the materials that you use to build. So I, I'm finding that I'm able to really offer God's grace, not my, I've got, I've got some gifts that I can use, but I want to use God's grace on my gifts so that God can build his church with you know, gold and silver and precious stones. Amen. 
Well, Jake, thank you again for your time. And to all you listeners, thank you for joining the Living Classroom. Again, we'll uh, more information uh, on the website and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Alan, so much. Thank you for joining us today in the Living Classroom. For more information about the Living Classroom community, please visit us at thelivingclassroom.org. Until next time, blessings.